All right, Carrie, would you pray for our time in the Word? Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have, the privilege that we have to come together to worship in your name, God, that we would never take that for granted, that we would look back upon our lives and we would see your hand upon our lives, even in the times, Father, <clears throat> that we weren't serving you. We praise you for that, God. Thank you, Father, that you called us out, that you set us on a sure foundation. God, and as we enter into this time, that we would focus our eyes on you, that we would recognize you as sovereign creator of all, and that we are here to give you honor and glory in all we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat>
those words that there be light and it was oh. and in that same breath the stars fell in line with one voice creation cries you do all things well you do all things well
Bro! 
stands between me and my God. And the fear that was my prison is no longer where I'm living. Cause nothing stands between me and my God. There's no place I go that he is not. for the truth that your word declares that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
Father, I pray even now, God, that as we open up your word today, God, that we would have ears that hear, Lord Jesus. God, that your word would penetrate our hearts, God, and that our hearts would be of good soil to receive. Father, we come, Lord, I, I pray, God, with a sincere heart, God, that we would um, have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Father, you know exactly where each of us are at. And God, it's your desire that none shall perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, your word declares that you so love the world that you gave your one and only Son that who whatever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Your plan, Father, from the beginning to have a people that you would call your own and in return they would call you their God, that they would love you, Lord with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their body, with all of their strength, God. May we be that people. May we not continue to be bound to the old man or to the old woman, to the old ways. God, may we be born again of the Spirit that we would be a free people. The people set apart for your purpose in our generation. And we thank you for that, Father. That you would receive the glory and the honor that's due to you, Father. As your faithful love endures forever. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning. Well, we'll get back to walking through our scriptures and we'll get back to um, our regular services in a couple weeks. We're not meeting next week. Um, But today, I wanted to share with you the 7th that's coming up, July 7th at 2.30, would be 25 years. that I surrendered to Christ. And I've been thinking upon it as I usually do during this time each year. But when I think about 25 years, I go, wow, God. Like His faithfulness and His love endures forever. I was such a sinner that I was so rebellious that I hated him. I wasn't even looking for him. I didn't want anything to do with him. I didn't want anything to do with the church. I didn't want anything to do with him. Um, Christianity, and the majority of you know all of this, but I'm just kind of sharing with you today. 
Christianity was the religion of my father. And to me, my father was a very weak man. And so when I see that he was a weak man, I see that his religion is a weak religion. That his God, there was no God. And the people that I met, and the time that I may have been in and out of church, they weren't, they weren't the most loving people. And so I had a bad taste in my mouth for Christians, for the church. I saw no power in Christianity. So I turned to the ways of the world. I turned to what my flesh, that old nature, that nature that we're all born into. Because you see, (laughs) your story may be quite different than mine, but we do have one thing in common. We are in complete rebellion to God. Complete rebellion. No matter who we are, the Bible says we're all born into sin. We're all born into being rebellious against our Creator. We want to be God. And so that nature that we are born into feeds off everything of this temporal world. And we were created for the temporal world. God created us for himself, for eternity. And yet this nature that we're born into, and God knows this nature. That's why he sent Jesus. <laughs> but this nature that I, that I was born into, um, man, went wild since I was a kid. I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to be poor. I, I didn't want to have to struggle through life. I was abused, I was sexually abused, physically abused, mentally abused, at a very young age. And so the more that I was going through this, these seasons of my life, the more I became hardened towards God. And so I turned elsewhere. I turned to the occult. I turned to, to everything that was out there that I could find some sense of purpose or understanding. And that's what we all do. We're all searching to be, to be known, to have a place, to, to feel like we belong, like, like, you know, we're accepted, we're loved, we're... And yet... Everything that we will try apart from Christ will never fill us. Never fill us. And that's the problem because we keep seeking, we keep exhausting ourselves. That's what I kept doing. I was a runner. I just kept running from one thing to another, to another, to another, to another. And yet at a very young age... I became really, I became sexually active, and, and and I knew at a young age that I was different from the rest of the boys. I was different from everyone else at a very young age, and I couldn't understand why I was different than the others. So that's something else that was wrestling inside of me. I don't know if you all wrestle inside yourself. I don't know if you ever have. I don't know what your story is. 
I mean, I know the majority of you and I've heard your story, but there's always things deep down that we're not really honest about, but those are the things that we've identified with. So I tried to be like all the other boys. I tried to to have my girlfriends. I tried to play sports. I tried to do this and I tried to do that. And I knew this, this longing that I had, to, this desire to be with men. I had heard enough of the Bible and, and people around me to know that that was an abomination, that God hated it. And I knew good and well that if God hated it, then God hated me. And then again, there was this wrestling that I didn't even believe in this God. So why did I care if he hated me? Because I didn't believe in him. So one thing led to another and the door opened at the age of 16 to, well, before the age of 16, I had started experimenting sexually with guys. But at the age of 16, I met this older man and my life forever changed. My life forever changed. I finally thought I found who I was. I I found the acceptance that I needed. I found my purpose. I found my identity. I found everything that was within me (laughs) that was now living out loud. And this is a time and a day and an age where being gay wasn't popular, wasn't celebrated as it is today, wasn't promoted as it is today. It was a struggle to be gay, and to be out, to be known. I used to have to cross picket lines to get into the bar. I used to take the abuse. for just being who I thought I was. And I was told over and over and over and over how much God hated me. And it drew me further away from God. That now I began to really get into dark, to the darkness of the occult doing things and opening up doors that I should have never opened and I should have never done. But I did. And living this life for many years, accepted of who I was. I didn't care what others thought of me. I lived it out. I lived it proud. I never once wrestled with it. It was not a second thought. I was content with who I was. And no one was going to tell me any different. And then, one day, I was at the end of myself. I had a great job, I had a great life, at least I thought. But yet something was still missing within me. 
Something was still not right. And, and I've shared with you before, I remember the first time that I stepped into to a gay bar in, at a young age and being like, oh, wow, these are my people. Like, finally, I'm free. And I embraced that scene. Like, I, I lived that scene. I was that scene. I, and everything about that scene, I was. And again, I'm sharing all this because I want you to understand kind of where I was and who I am today. <laughs> like again, like I never wrestled. Like a lot of people wrestle with being gay. <laughs> a lot of people, like they go in turmoil over it. I was not in turmoil. I was fine. <laughs> I was happy. But yet I wasn't. But it had nothing to do with my gayness. It was just there was something that I wasn't whole. I grew in the occult. I've seen things and levels of spirituality that most people have not seen. I, I used what I learned to gain what I needed. I was in and out of relationships, but for the most part, my relationships were long-term. There's something missing. So I found myself, as you've heard many times before, on the couch, ready to end my life. Pills in my hand. And as the pills were going to my mouth, behind me, in this ear, I heard, today you'll live. That voice was not a voice that I channeled. If you've ever, if you've ever been in, in a kind of hope you never have and you never will, but in the occult, you learn to channel. And I've heard many different voices lead me. But that voice that spoke in that moment, my hands went over my head. And the words out of my mouth, oh Jesus, you're real. Like in that moment. See, you, you can't write this story. You, this, this isn't made up. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was so far away from Jesus. But Jesus was all along with me, as he is with you. You see, hearing that I was an abomination to God, hearing that I was going to experience God's wrath, hearing all of that my whole life, I wish someone would have just stopped and said, and the reason why... Is not God. It's you. I want you to think about that. Because I've been thinking about that throughout this week. And you've heard me over the past couple of years say this to you all. We all have our views of God. And apart from God, we all have the view that he's the bad God. He's a God with a problem. 
He's the God that's wrong and in error. Like, oh, he's a bad God because of his wrath. And, 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 and homosexuality is just not the sin listed that's an abomination. <laughs> you know, I've said over the years as a Christian and as a pastor, when other pastors or churches would ask me to come to speak, they would always say, we want you to come to speak. And the topic we want you to speak on is how we can minister, how we can reach out to the homosexual community. And my response has always been, well, that's fine. But tell me, how do you reach the adulterer in your congregation? How do you reach the backbiter and the gossiper in your congregation? How do you deal with sin in your congregation, because if all you're going to do is make homosexuality the sin that you want to address, then you have a problem. Because you know, good and well, there's other stuff going on in your congregation that you're not willing to discuss. And that's the sad part. Because again, don't miss what I just said. All along, what people were telling me was true. But what they were missing and telling me was that it wasn't God. It was me. Like because of God's love, because of God's mercy, because of, of, his, of his divine nature, he is a wrathful God. He is a God who will judge He's a God who loves us so much that he reveals himself to us day in and day out. And we're the ones who point back and say, no, I'm God. We're the ones that will just be religious when we feel like it to feel some sort of connection. But we're not totally surrendered to a holy God. And because of his holiness, those outside of him will experience his wrath. And that's divine justice. I mean, that's, that's God's love. And you say, but how can that be love? How can it not be? When he has done everything, everything, to set us free. He's not going to force you to love him. You can chase the things of this world. You can go out there and you can run amok and you can give over to every desire and every want and everything that's out there. But trust me when I tell you, you're exhausting yourself. Because at the end, at the end, not only are we all sinners, but there's something else we all have in common. We're all dying. There will be a day where each of us will take our last breath. And then we will stand before a holy God. And then at what point, at what moment and when we're standing before him, are we going to say to him, you were wrong? <laughs> no, he's not wrong. He's right. And he's giving you every opportunity to love him, to know him. You see, at that moment, on that couch, he stepped in. He didn't have to. 
He did not have to. But he stepped in and revealed himself to me. And in that moment, the first thing I knew I had to get away from was the occult. The things I channeled, the stuff that I was doing. Little by little, he began to work in me. And it reminded me. Of who I was. Your sin or wrong. But I've come and I've begun a work in you. You see, that's the freedom that and as Christians that we have. We're not striving to do good. And if your Christianity is just striving to do good, you're going to exhaust yourself because you put yourself back in the driver's seat. No, no, no. Freedom comes when you stop trying and you allow God. Jesus said he had to go away so that the Holy Spirit would come. He is our comforter, he's our guide, he's our teacher. We're to walk in step with the Spirit so we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Think about your week this week. What are you giving yourself over to that you know ultimately you ought not to give yourself to? You know, I always think it's interesting. When you learn the tactics of the enemy, see, we have to know our enemy. Like, just because you come to Christ and and you've given your life to Christ, listen, it's all out war. We are still behind enemy lines. That's why when Jesus prays for us, and he prays for us, and go to scripture and find Jesus praying for us. And he asks the Father to protect us by his name. He says, don't take them out of the world, but keep them in the world. See, we're here as Christians for a purpose. And yet we know as Christians that we are behind enemy lines. And as the days and age keeps getting closer and closer to the return of Christ. Christianity is going to be pushed out of the world system. Christians are going to be hated at a level they've they've never been hated like before. Christians since the birth of the church have been persecuted. And so we must understand that we are behind enemy lines. And so the enemy is not just going to to back away. No, there's an all-out war for your soul. Satan, the world system, and your flesh. And before you could deal with the world system or even deal in the spiritual realm with the enemy, you have to deal with this flesh. And that's why the Bible tells us to reckon yourself dead, but alive in Christ. That you've nailed your old nature to his cross and you've crucified it there. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ Jesus living in and through me. There's a way in which we are called to live. And it's just not about going to church. Because if your Christian life is just about coming to church when you feel like going, that's not a Christian. A Christian life is a life that is surrendered and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says you must be born again and born again of the Spirit. There's a way in which we're to live. You see, that day, 
When he revealed himself to me, he began a work in me. I didn't surrender completely to him that day. But he began a work in me. And there was a hunger that I had to know him. And I've said before, and you've heard me say it before, when I was sitting there when he spoke, I, sh- I, was, all, I was brought back to my grandfather's porch, sitting with my grandfather, the smell of him. I hadn't thought of that man in forever. <laughs> but he was the only Christian I knew as a kid. I knew Jesus was my Paul's best friend. And my papa used to sit and read the Bible to me. And he used to tell me, Robbie, Jesus is going to call you to preach his word. I hadn't thought about that in years. And all of a sudden, those memories are flooding me. So I began to seek him. I wanted to know more about Jesus. And the more I began to seek him, the more I began to understand. The Bible says if you seek Him, you will find Him if you seek Him with your whole heart. But as you're seeking, understand this, you all. You're up against the enemy, the world system, and the flesh. And that's why each day you got to get up and say, Greater is He that is in me than he that is in this world. There's a lot of people sitting in churches today who are struggling with their identity, rather it's sexually, rather it's this, rather it's that, whatever. They're just, they're, they're lost. They've they got issues that they're hiding because if I tell people, they're going to think I'm bad. But I'm here to tell you that the Bible says to expose the fruitless deeds of the darkness, to live a transparent life, first before God and then before man. As soon as that happened in my life, The door was open for me to reunite with the man that I was with at the age of 16. I thought, God, you have restored this. This is beautiful. I'm going to have this awesome life now because now I have this. I'm loved by you. I'm loved by him. I've got wealth. I've got this. I've got that. Everything's falling into place. And what looked like a blessing actually the enemy was using because the level of warfare that was happening and I was still wet behind my ears. I was still a new baby Christian. I haven't even found a church yet. And the guy that I with, he was a really smooth talker. He would listen to me, but he also was watching what's going on because the first couple months that I I was reunited and I moved back in with him, I didn't even speak. There was days where I was curled up in a corner just rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth because the level of warfare, uh, the, 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 the emptying of myself of demons, the emptying of myself of the things that I was channeling, this, the junk that I was, go- was going through, it was withdrawals from the drugs that I was on. It was just everything. And he began to see this process take place. And as I've said before, he kept telling me, listen, 
I don't know how to fight this God. If it was another man, if it was a woman, like I would fight for you, but I don't know how to fight this God. And this God in whom you saying you are serving, he's going to eventually take you away. And I'll be like, no, he's not going to take me away. Why would he do that? This is who I am. I was born this way. But little by little, God began to deal with me. You see, I didn't need man to tell me. I didn't need anyone else to tell me. God himself was revealing himself to me. And the more I kept seeking him, the more that I kept drawing close to him, the more I, I realized I saw myself. God, I, I, this area of my life is in rebellion to you. I don't want to be in rebellion to you. I want to lay it down, but in and of myself, I can't. So help me. Help me. You see, that old nature is not going to want to let go easily. It's not. And in and of myself, and in and of yourself, you won't let it go. No matter what it is for you. Again, your story is quite different than mine, I'm sure. But the reality is that we're all sinners. We're all searching. Before Christ, we're out here in this temporal world trying to find ourselves. And we're dumbing down a generation. We're drugging up a generation. A godless generation of youth who are so lost and so confused. And what they need is to know God. But where are the adults in their life that are living for God? That love God, that's giving them the understanding of truly who God is. That God is not this bad God. I keep telling y'all, you can't learn about God from the enemy. You can't learn from God from religious people. You can't learn about God from yourself. But God is pleased to reveal himself to you. And God was pleased to reveal himself to me. And on July 7th at 2.30, 25 years ago, I found myself locked in my bedroom with my lover on the other side of the door. And I said, God, I don't know what you're doing. Because leading up to July 7th at 2.30, he began to deal with my sexuality. Everything else, I freely gave up. But that part of me, I was like, why is this wrong? Like, God, surely you made me this way, didn't you? Like, what is wrong with this? And he would show me, I would be walking on the beach. And I, or I would just be sitting on the beach and I would see these families. And all of a sudden, there would be this desire of family. And I, and I, and I realized what I lost. When I left my daughter and my wife to pursue me, I said, God, his design is beautiful. We corrupt it. We're the issue. We're the created trying to be the creator.
So there I was in that room. Well, even before that, I shared with you before, months before that time, or maybe, maybe almost a year before this day, I found myself in a church in a conference with my lover and his sister. Why we were there, I don't know. But God knew. See, God will take you to places that you don't know why you're there, but He's got you there to hear from Him. And there I was sitting in that balcony, and that little old woman came out on that stage, and she tumbled back from the platform, from the podium, and then she took her a couple of minutes or so, and then she came back. She's like, I don't know who this is for, but I can't talk about what I came to talk about. And all of a sudden, she began to speak, and I got, and I told you this. Some of you have never heard it, some of you have, but all of a sudden I became angry because everything that she was saying, she was talking about me. But it just wasn't me. There were thousands of people there. It was for others. But in that moment, like, you're exposing, and I said, how, who set me up? How, how does she know what I'm going through? And as soon as she gave the altar call, as soon as she said, come, I got up and my lover pulled me down. He's like, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to Jesus. And I found myself down there just crying out to God, like God. And I left that night with all those teaching cassette tapes up there. I left that night with this Bible. And I needed to know this Jesus. I needed to know Him. I, you, you're doing something. I needed to know you. So there I was in that bedroom. There I was crying out. Hearing my lover on the other side of the door crying. And I just said, God, would you just speak to me? And I was holding this exact Bible. I said, God, would you just speak to me? Because I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I threw the Bible and it opened up on the floor. And I picked it up. Romans 6. And this is the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible takes Scripture and stretches it to give you a real clear understanding. This is the first Bible I ever learned. So when I ended up going to church for the first time, I'm listening to the pastor. I'm like, man, he's missing a lot of words from those scriptures. I didn't know that this is what the Amplified really was, but it's an incredible Bible. But this is the Bible that I was trained up in the first few years of my life. But this is what I read that day. I want you to think about this. Everything I just shared with you. This, these are the words. <laughs> what shall we say to all of this, are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace, favor, mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who die to sin live in it any longer? Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave, and listen to this, 
and the newness of life. For if we become one with him by sharing the death like his, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. We know that our old, renewed, I'm sorry, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made, listen to this, ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. For when a man dies, he is freed, loose, delivered from the power of sin among men. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, because we know that Christ, the anointed one, being once raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For by the death he died, he died to sin, ending its relation to it, his relation to it. Once for all, and the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourself also dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lust and evil passions. Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments or tools of wickedness, but offer and yield yourself to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you, since now you are not under the law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we live not under law, but under God's favor and mercy? Certainly not. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourself to anyone to do his will, you are the slaves of him whom you obey, whether that be to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness, right doing, and right standing with God? But thank God, though you were once slaves of sin, you have, be- and you have become obedient with all of your heart, to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will and thought, purpose, and action. I am speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity in ever-increasing lawlessness, so now yield your bodily members and faculties once and for all as servants to righteousness, right being and doing, which leads to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But then what benefit? Return, did you get from the things of which you are now ashamed? None. For the end of those things is death. 
But now since you have been set free from sin and have become the slaves of God, you have your present reward in holiness and its end is eternal life. For the wages which sin pays is death. But the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life through, in union with, Jesus Christ our Lord. I said, God, what? So I read it again. I said, oh God, let me think through this. Let me figure out what I need to do. And He's like, no, it's all me. And in that moment, in that moment, I felt as I was getting up, like, like just weights were just falling off of me. And for the first time in my life, even though I didn't know what my life was going to end up being or where I was going to go, for the first time, I felt whole. That wholeness that we're all so desperately looking for. For the first time. I said, wow, God, I'm free. I remember opening the door and Rich was standing, he's like, you're leaving. I'm like, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta belong to him. And it's been 25 years, you all. And they've been the roughest years. But I wouldn't trade them because of his loving kindness and his tender mercies. Like, if you're not in Christ, if you don't know Christ, like, I can't change your heart and your mind. But I can tell you this, he's yet again revealing himself to you today. Yet again, he's calling you out from that which is holding you in captivity. And you can say, well, my, I'm not that bad. No, just in and of yourself, you're bad. In and of yourself, you're in rebellion. You see, ever since that day, I knew that I needed to know him more and more. That I would never stop that pursuit of him. I knew that my life would continually mature. I knew I would never be perfect. Because the scripture tells us, you're not perfected until you're with him, but you better be maturing. I knew that day that he was for me and not against me. I knew that day that I didn't want my past to define me. That I, that I wanted to live this life in which he is offering to all of us. To all of us. And I, past, over the past few weeks, I've been sharing with you just kind of some of the little testimonies of how he, just, how he has displayed his power and his might. And how I've been brought to my knees and, and continual repentance when the flesh rages, rages up. <laughs> whether it's a bad attitude, rather it's this or rather it's that, whatever. Like I know it's not pleasing to God and you, I feel that conviction. If you're a Christian, you should feel that conviction. You shouldn't be actively participating in sin. doesn't mean that you won't sin, but when you do, there is this level of conviction that you're like, oh, that's the old me, that's not who I am. And that you can stand with the assurance that you know who he is and what he has done through Christ for you. And that's the key, it's through Christ. See, Christ accomplished everything. 
Not me. He's the one that's been faithful for 25 years. Not me. He's the one that's going to be faithful in your life. Not you. Like when we truly surrender, when we truly let go of it all and just say, God, have your way. You've begun this work. You are going to finish it. You say in your word that you would not neglect the work of your hands. And Father, I'm the work of your hands. Like, see, when you know him and you're communing, and you're communing with him and you're in relationship with him, the strength that you get to endure each day, the hope that you can get up each day and know that your creator you're at peace with. Like Romans 5.1 says, Now therefore you are at peace with God. There's been many of times in these past 25 years, oh, I've wanted to walk away. Like, God, this is crazy. Like, even in the beginning, I went to church. And then I would meet with the pastors. And do you know what the first few churches told me? Leave. You're of the devil. You're going to come in here and you're going to pervert all the men. Now think about that. As a new Christian, as someone who's loving Jesus, having a pastor look at you and tell you, you're the devil. Get out. You're not welcomed. What? And not just once, but multiple times. But I, I wasn't looking for man. I was looking for God. And I told you, finally, I came to a church where I sat down with the pastor and he was like, listen, Rob, you are welcome here, but do not tell anyone what God has done in your life. They won't understand and you'll be rejected by the men in the church. You won't be able to build relationships. And I walked out of there and I was just like, God, I remember just being out in the parking lot, just saying, God, what are you doing? God said, stop seeking the approval of man, Rob. I've approved of you. You're my son. And I told you, I turned around and the pastor's running out the door because the Holy Spirit convicted him and said, no, I brought him here to raise him up. Pastor Pulser came out and grabbed me and just said, asked me for his forgiveness. Like, I just repented to God. I'm going to ask you to forgive me. No, Rob, you are welcome. And you are welcome to be all that God is creating you to be and share what God has done in your life. And I grew and I, and I got rooted into Christ. See, I didn't have to be told to go to church. Church wasn't a burden to me. No, I cleared my schedule to get to church. Like, I had to know this God. Like, who is this God? Like, you didn't have to tell me. <laughs> like, no, I was hungry. Like, God, you've done... Because that, that one phrase, if, if you call it when I said, hear this, the newness of life. And you see that all through the New Testament. The newness of life. This new creation. Well, if I'm not who I was, then who am I now? And that's something, a phrase I've said to you over the years. Like, I kept asking, how then now shall I live? Because I know how Rob would live. I know what Rob would do. I know where Rob would go. But who am I now? Because I don't know. 
So if I, how do I learn who I am now? How, how do I learn how to act and know you even more as my God, as one that's in relationship with you? What well, was to get into fellowship, not just with him, but with other believers? But then, seasons. Seasons of deep valleys. <laughs> of everything around me screaming, walk away. Dryness. Even the church services just seem dry. Just things just doesn't, wasn't just adding up. And I told you, the one night, right, I had a plan, I was exiting. Gilda was asleep. I knew where I was going. I was walking away. And as I went for that bedroom door, the Holy Spirit just hit me. What are you doing living, Rob? That's what I heard in my heart. And all of a sudden, I began to pour out all my complaints to God about God and about just people, just life. Who wants this? Who does this? This is crazy. And all he would respond to is, what are you doing living? You're a dead man. And the more I just kept hearing, the more I just began to break. Like, oh. And then I realized just really how foolish I looked to my creator. Like, I'm like, oh, God, yeah, where, what, how did I get here? See, there's been many different moments in, in my life over these past 25 years. There was a very dry season that I went through. My mom and I went over to the beach. I said, I'll fast. I'll, I'll read my Bible even more day for these next seven days. I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this and I'll do that. And it was the hardest days of my life, my Christian life. But yet I was trying to press into God. And then finally, maybe the third or fourth day, the Holy Spirit just hit me. He <laughs> said, would you just stop it? Look what you've become. There's no intimacy with me. You're trying to do it all in your strength. If I just read more, if I just do this more, if I just do that more, if I'm just a better Christian, then God will love me. And I just remember feeling the Holy Spirit say, I love you. Like you're exhausting yourself. And in that moment, there was this freshness that was breathed into me. It's like, oh God, forgive me. Like, here I am again, trying to get back in control. But no, God, I don't want to be in control. And the rest of that time was so beautiful. It was so rich. And I told you about that one time. This is in the beginning. Beginning. Where I was so angry with God. I mean, I didn't have a job. It was the first time in my life I really didn't work. I was, I was depending on this person, that person, this person, on that person. So what have I become? Who does this? And, be, and just goes back to their fear. The fear of being poor, the fear of dying, the fear of this, the fear of that. And I felt like I had no control over all this fear. So finally I said, God, I don't want you anymore. You're not in charge. I'll show you I'm in charge. And I went out that night and I did things I would have never have done before. And then the next day when I woke up, the Holy Spirit just hit my heart and said, 
Are you finished? Did you find what you were looking for? I just broke like, oh God, no. I mean, there's been deep valleys, but just as deep of the valleys, there's been incredible mountaintop experiences. I shared with you a few weeks ago when I was out prayer walking at the game up in UGA, up in Georgia. Massive stadium, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I'm out there prayer walking with my prayer team and God says, I'm sending you in there for one. So I look at my prayer team, I say, we got to get in there. There's one person, I remember that one lady said, out of all those thousands, we're just going for one. I said, there's just one God wants today that he's sending us to. And I told you, we just kept walking. It's a big stadium. And then finally, this janitor guy opens up the gate, yells at this lady named Joyce. Are y'all out here praying? We, you know, we told him what was going on. So I got to get in there. He's like, well, come on in. We begin to walk those levels. And all of a sudden, <laughs> there he was, drunk as a skunk, just drunker than drunk. God says, that's him. Go to him. We went over to him. I just began to share with him. The night before, this guy was crying out to God. God, would you just send someone? God, I just need to know that you're real. And all of a sudden, the stranger is standing before him the next day, letting him know that God has brought me into this stadium for you. His life forever changed. And there's testimonies after testimonies after testimonies like that. And then there's testimonies where people have sat in this room who have gone through the darkest, darkest, darkest places in their life and the abuse that they've had to take, and they're just looking for answers. And all I could do was plant a seed because they were not a place to hear or to really receive. But at that moment, all they needed was a seed, seed planted or the seed that has been planted to be watered. And the Holy Spirit will ultimately do the harvesting. You see, I keep encouraging y'all that you all are purposed for this generation. But if you just keep living for yourselves, if you just keep pursuing and chasing the temporal things of life, listen, you have every right. You have every right to do that. But look at the condition of the earth. There's not a day before us that's like today. We are living in prophetic times, you all. I don't know when he's returning, but I can tell you it's he's returning. And the signs of the times are before us. And I keep saying to you all, the level of deception is rising up. The level of the occult is rising up. The level of perversion is rising up. The level of strife and anger is rising up. It's all setting a stage for all the end time events. But listen, as the church, we're not to cower down or to run or to flee or to be scared. No, it should motivate us that there's work to be done. Like we're new creations. How then now shall we live? God. And as I started and stated earlier with, remember Jesus says, don't take them out of the world. 
You're here for a reason. How are you spending your life? And this is the question. How are we spending our lives? One of these seasons, I'm coming to a close. I had a lot of stuff just going on inside me. Hurt, wounded. Just God, I, I, I don't understand what's happening. I trusted you, but man, it seems like my life is a mess. God, I need you. Then I go to a doctor. And the doctor said, hey, there's something seriously wrong with your heart. This was back in 2005, 2004, 2005. You need to see a cardiologist. And some of you already know that after I returned from Georgia back to Orlando, I was rushed to the hospital. My, my heart stopped. They did all these tests. And I came with, with the fear that the enemy has already spoken to my ear that, oh, I'm going to kill you. And so it flooded in all these fears on top of that I was already dealing with just a lot. So I go into the cardiologist, I'm sharing with him, and Gilda's sitting there next to me. Take off your shirt, take off my shirt. And as I'm taking off my shirt, and you have to understand, like when, as a Christian, when you're in that space, and trust me, that's how I know if you're a Christian and I'm, I'm, I'm in a relationship with you, that you're in that space because you're hardened. You withdraw. You don't want to be around anyone. Uh, you, you, just, you just rather just fade away. And things of God may even slightly irritate you. So I've taken off my shirt and I, I look up and this man has his head between his knees. And I said to myself, is he praying? Like, this is a cardiologist. He knows nothing of me. I know nothing of him. But his head is bowed. And then he looked up. I can't remember if he said grace or mercy. Grace. He said, Rob, if you looked up in the dictionary the word grace... You would see your picture. My God's grace has kept you. He ran his test. Came back to see him. And he said, yeah, there is something wrong with your heart. And I have the prescription for you. Picks out his prescription pad. Begins to write. And he wrote all these verses. This is all you need. Get right with God. Come on now. These verses were everything that I was feeling, everything I was going through, everything I needed to hear to see me through. Oh, there was something wrong with my heart. It was hardened. Who can make up that story? See, 
who can make it up? If he's not God, if he's not real, if he's just a figment of people's imaginations, if he's just a a sect of, of religious people that look to him, who can make that up? Who can make up the things that I've seen over this past 25 years? Who can make it up? And so I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know what you're pursuing out there on this earth. But I'm telling you, this earth is fading away. This earth is fading away. It's not our home. And if you're searching out there for the temporal things in life, just know that's never going to fill you. If you're lost and you're confused and you're unsure, then seek Him. Because He's the author of life. It always fascinates me. You would think kids that grew up in a home that was abusive, if you would think that kids that grew up with homes of alcohols or drug addicts or anger issues or this or that or this or that, like you would think they've seen it and they were like, this really screwed up my life. No, I don't want no part of that. But it's a vicious cycle because the majority even become that. See, there's nothing good in the flesh. But see, when you're born of the Spirit, you can't help become like your Father, who was full of love, full of grace, full of mercy, full of tenderness, full of hope. Even in a chaotic world, You see, I'm not looking any longer for the world to fulfill me. I'm not living out of all these desires. And people will say, oh, so you're just suppressing them. You're regressing them. You're this, you're that. It's like, no, no, no. They're dead. (laughs) And it's just not about me being an ex-homosexual, which I don't really use that term. Most people do, and that's how they want to do their ministry. That's fine. But I never in my life over these past 25 years wanted to be labeled as the ex-gay pastor. Because it's so much more than homosexuality. It's the very root of my nature. I was a liar. I was a thief. I was close to being a murderer. (laughs) I thought. So therefore I was. (laughs) See, it's the very nature of my being. I'm a sinner. And complete rebellion towards God. And until I saw that, and until I saw my need for him, that's how I would keep living. You see, once he reveals himself to you, you can't help but surrender, you all. To surrender. The level of freedom that is found in Christ, not in religion, not in church, but in Christ, you all. Like when you feel that holiness, you're like, there's nothing like it. No matter how the enemy comes at you, no matter what the flesh may want to rise up within you, no matter what the world system may want to hand you, no, no, you're already confident in the one who created you. And you're like, no thanks. I know who I am. 25 years with Christ. And I shared, with, I shared this with you, and I'm ending with this, and then we're doing the baby dedication. But 25 years, God is faithful. 
in 25 years, 30 some odd years ago, I met this one man that I thought for sure was the love of my life. And those who have heard this know, like, you wouldn't have told me any different. The way it all came about was enchanting. Hollywood couldn't even touch the story. It was two strangers in a store whose eyes connected. And it forever changed my life in that season of my life. In fact, it was such a struggle being together that things just didn't work out. He kept telling me, you have to leave Orlando. You have to break away from that city that's holding you. In fact, I would pursue for him, he would pursue for me over the years. In fact, when I would enter into other relationships, I would tell them, I can only love you so much because if Marty ever returns, I'm gone. For years, for years, that encounter, that relationship was everything to me. And then just this year, he reaches out. Our story's going to have a happy ending, he tells me. But then I had to tell him, no, my story already has a happy ending. I found the one who truly loves me. And he says, I can't believe it. Out of all these years, now you're married and you're a pastor? And you have to realize years ago when I was with him, he came from a Christian family. But I did the service with him and told him, you have to renounce Christ. You, you can't be a Christian with me. I don't, care. I don't like Christians. So we did the service where he had to renounce Christ. And he's blown away at the fact that you're married, first of all, to a woman, and you are a Christian pastor. Surely you can't be happy. Oh, I'm happy. And then just about a month ago, get a little message. I'm just checking to make sure you're happy. Like you can get here over the next day or so. Like this can't be like, but it is. And this will never be. Because I found the one who created me, the one that loved me before I was even thought of. He knew me. Like, that's what I'm telling you all. The devil, the world, your flesh, everything will try your its hardest. That's why you got to know that you know you all. You got to know that you know that he's God. See, there's nothing that anyone can say or do that could take that away from me. I'm not perfect by any means. But man, I love God. I love Jesus. Like for what he endured for me, what he has endured for you, I get it. I get the struggle. I get the wrestling. I don't want to be all, 
I get all that because I once lived it. But now, I'm on the other side. And I can't plead enough with you all. Like, you know what you go back to when you're alone. You know what even you're processing now as you're sitting here and you're hearing all of this. Like, you know what you're going to have to face when you step out here. But you don't know if this is your last second on earth. You don't know when you're going to take that last breath. Like, you don't know when, when life is just going to throw something at you. Are you secured in Christ? Like in the author of life, the creator of all things, like he's revealing himself over and over and over and over again. Because when you stand before him and he says, I don't know you, depart from me. Like for eternity. Like for eternity. Separated. And I've said this over the past few weeks, there's going to be people in hell who have a hymn in their heart. Who have the knowledge of Jesus, but never knew him. And this is our passion. Not to go out and condemn and beat people up, but to show them that there's a way out. To show them that there's a way out, that there's a Savior. His name is Jesus. That God so loved us, that he sent him to redeem us, to take on the punishment that we deserve, to take upon that wrath that I heard about since I was a kid. Like, he took that on so that I wouldn't have to. He fulfilled everything so that the burden wasn't on me or on you. Like, he did it all. There's no other religion out there. There's no other religion out there that is like the Christian religion. Christianity, God came down to us. Every other religion, you're working your way up to God. It's exhausting. Trust me, I've been there. And I've said with you before, go study all those other religions. All those other religions out there, they have an essence of truth of Christianity. It's just spun differently. Because it's the tool of the enemy to enslave people. And not everyone's going to heaven. The road... Is very narrow. And oh, how I pray that you all are on it. Listen, you're not, you don't have to be perfect. But you have to be real. You have to be transparent. You see, God stepped in to a dark man's life. He's in a place of such darkness. Such darkness. And he spoke. Today you'll live. And just as he spoke it for me, he'll speak it for you. Like today you'll live. Like he gives us life and life in abundance, you all. It's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So for these past 25 years, I look back and I say, wow, God, look at your faithfulness. Look how awesome. I mean, just a few years ago, again, my heart stopped. I I looked over at Gilda, we were in the emergency room, and I remember looking back up and everything just went, and everything flatlined. And I was in the most peaceful place. I'm not telling you I went to heaven. 
But wherever I was for that moment, <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I felt it touch my mama's hand as I felt myself going further and further away from my body. And all of a sudden, I heard all this noise behind me. And I remember looking back. And as I looked back, I opened my eyes, and I don't know how many doctors and nurses were on top of me, and I yelled a screaming at them, and just going, oh, what just happened? And I have to be honest, for a good month afterwards, I was kind of mad at God. Like, God, I was gone. Like, I was, <laughs> I was free from this place. Like, God, I was in your presence. <laughs> Why on earth did you let me come back? And then COVID hits. Chaos is assuming all over the earth. I said, oh, there's work to be done. There's work to be done. Just as I'm here, you're here for a purpose. You can go on not being a Christian. That's fine and dandy. You can go on, run amok, do what you want to. That's fine and dandy. But oh, I pray that if you're sitting here and you're a Christian today, the time is now to live. I know everybody else wants to embrace all these different things out there. I know the Christian church has, the majority of them has forgotten who they are. And they're embracing everything and anything. But listen, we can have compassion for everyone. But we're not to be in alignment with everything and everyone. You're called to be different. You're called to be set aside. Remember, God's plan, God's purpose, to have a people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. We're going to take communion before we do the baby dedication. And um, Norma, if you would come, and Norma, if there's not enough, um, all the elements are there to, to make it. Um, so Norma will pass this out, and then I'm going to let the song play over us. And as we're taking communion, the Lord Jesus says to do this in remembrance of him. This is communion. So take the time to kind of reflect. Remember him, all that he's done for you. And if there's active sin in your life, repent. Feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Allow him to, to, to break down those barriers that maybe you're, that you've erected up. But do this in remembrance of what Christ has done for you. And receive from this time. And I'm going to play this song and then we'll take the elements.
Would you pray over the cup? Father, we hold this cup in our hands and we remember the scripture where Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room and he said, do this in remembrance of me as often as you need. So, Father, we hold this cup in our hands in remembrance of the sacrifice of you, Jesus. Your scripture says that by your blood we are healed. And that's not just a physical healing. You've healed us from sin. And you've given us the opportunity to spend eternity with you if we so choose to submit our lives to you. So we take this now in humble gratitude for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the cup. good news of Jesus, you all. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so I do pray that from this day you would go and learn of him and again hear the scripture when scripture says if you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. You, would, you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart, not with a divided heart. Listen, there's a lot of crazy teachings out there in churches today. That's why you've got to get rooted in the word. Don't let them strip Jesus of his power. Don't let them teach you things that aren't correct. Like there is a way in which we are called to live and it's that's unto Christ. It's not about, again, church, service. It's not about doing, but it's all about Jesus, you all. And if you don't know him, then I pray that today would be the day that you would come and accept him as Lord and Savior. You know, we make it so hard sometimes, but the reality is it's just that simple knowledge that you're a sinner. 
and that you need a Savior. That God has revealed himself to you through his son Jesus. And that you would come to a belief and a confession that he is the son of God and that he rose from the dead. It will forever change your life. Forever change your life. We have the honor of being part of a baby dedication today for little Brooklyn. Um, So Brandon and Brittany, if you want to bring the Sleeping Beauty over. How awesome is this? And then Brianne and little Brandon. They're not that little anymore. Come stand up here with your family. (laughs) So we gather today to acknowledge Brooklyn Taylor Lowe, a precious gift of life that God has blessed Brandon, Brittany, and the family with. Brandon and Brittany have asked that Brooklyn be dedicated to the Lord in front of family, friends, and this local body of Christ, True Freedom Fellowship. Mark 10, verse 13 through 16 says, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. I have a couple of questions for Brandon and Brittany. Will you provide Brooklyn an opportunity to get to know God and to live in this kingdom that Jesus announced as she grows up? Will you do all you can to provide Brooklyn a loving, committed, supported family? Will you gradually and intentionally train Brooklyn to make wise decisions according to her needs at each stage of childhood? And so questions for the gathered church family. Will you support these parents without intruding as they fulfill these promises? If so, say we will. We will. Will you help this child grow and mature in these ways? If so, say, we will. Psalm 127, verse 13. Children are a reward from the Lord. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. So in closing, I remind you again that God has graciously given you this child. She belongs to you, but in a greater way, she belongs to God. I remind you of the great responsibility that is placed on you because of the birth of this child. God has given you the task of caring for her physical needs of clothing, food, shelter, love, and discipline. Even more importantly, you are also charged with the responsibility of her spiritual needs. We are more than just physical, we are spiritual. You are charged with the responsibility of seeing that your child is in God's house, learning about God. You must teach her to honor, love, and worship God. You are charged with teaching this child God's holy word. You must teach her godly Christian morals and values, and how to know God's will for her life by teaching her to love the Bible. 
The Church of Jesus Christ stands nearby to assist your home in every way we can to properly teach this child to live life to the fullest. It is God's plan that your home and church unite forces. Train this child so that when she reaches the age of being accountable for her own actions, she will personally accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then she will be ready for Christian baptism, and she will follow Jesus as her Lord and Savior. But you, Brandon and Brittany, and the family are responsible to do your part, as well as rearing her. Rear her to not only be a child of knowledge and grace, but a child of faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a glorious sight this is today. This family stands before you with a gift of infinite value that you have entrusted to their care. We celebrate with them this morning and pray that you will fill them with an abundance of wisdom. You would enable them to be a family that will make the difference of a lifetime in Brooklyn's life. Help them, Father, to stay in tune with you, Holy Spirit, as you provide them with the internal guidance that they in Brooklyn need. Bless their home with warmth, provision, and safety. Prepare each of their precious souls for the abundant life that is only found in you. As a church, we open ourselves in a fresh way to be used by you to help shape and encourage this family. We pray this in the name of the one who blesses children as no other, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And so on behalf of the church, here's a gift. I'll give that to you. And then her certificate. All right. Awesome. We also want to acknowledge Gio and Shay. You know why we're acknowledging you? For the blessing of your home. Yes! By the church, we took a a collection for you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And Carrie, would you pray for Gio and Shay's home? Heavenly Father God, I thank you just for the opportunity that we have as a fellowship and as a family to love on Gio and Michelle, God, thank you that they're a part of us and that, Father, I hope that they would recognize that even more than we could ever love them, you love them more. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would establish that home now that you have gifted them with. Even though home ownership comes with trials and tribulations, that they would see it as a gift from you. That they would continue to grow as husband and wife and as family in that home and that they would honor you all the days of their life and everything that they say and do. I pray, God, that a hedge of protection around that home, Lord, that no harm would come to it. And, Father, even on the darkest days that we all walk through, I pray that they would see it as a sanctuary where they can retreat from the world, Father, and that they can go into your presence and they can remember that they're loved and they're set apart for you and for your service. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to close this with this last song. Before you do. 
We would like to recognize you. It says 25 oh. years, and then it's got um, Romans 6 on it. Yes. Oh. Thank um, you all. We want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your love, for Christ. You definitely, uh, you're an inspiration to all of us. Mm. I'm so thankful to be, to call you brother, my pastor, my friend. Lord, we pray for my brother. Lord Jesus, we pray that you continue to bless him deeply, my God. May you continue to strengthen him physically, mentally, and spiritually, Father. I thank you so much for his faithfulness, for his love for you, God. He is an inspiration, at least for me. And I know for all of us, but at least for me, it just means so much. So, Lord, we thank you for his life. Lord, I pray that he will know how much we love him. Lord, I pray that you will give him many years of life, that he will continue to be faithful, that he will never, ever bow down, that he will continue to be bold and courageous. So we thank you for his life and how he continued to love you every single day, God. So we thank you, we bless you, and bless your servant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 This is part of it. Thank you. Thank you all. I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer. Touch me to be 